Are you tired of trying to conquer life's mountains by yourself? There's a better way. With Christ, we can learn to climb and win the victory over all of life's mountains. This morning, I'm beginning a sermon series with you entitled Hypothetical Faith. Hypothetical Faith. You, a few moments ago, you saw a mountain. Two men were standing at the foot of a mountain. I don't know what size the mountain was. They were having a discussion. Some might even say in the Baptist church they were having a debate. Here was their discussion. How long will it take to climb that mountain? The first guy said, I estimate it's going to take six hours. The second guy said, well, I've estimated that it will take eight hours. The first guy began to give his hypothetical reason or his hypotheses for why. He said, I've taken a drone and, I, and I've actually flown over every piece of the mountain from the bottom to the top. I've got a map and I've looked through all of that and I've made all of my calculations and it takes six hours. The second guy listened very patiently and then he said, well, sir, I appreciate that, but I want you to know how I arrived at eight hours. He said, well, tell me how. He looked like a simple guy. He said, well, yesterday I came and I climbed the mountain making sure we could do it. I want to ask you this morning as you come to the house of God, where are you with God? When I, when I began last November, yes, last November, working through this series of messages together, we were still in the midst of, of COVID-19, and God began to stir in my heart about what this year was going to be. And so, so part of what I'm saying today has been churning in me since November. So don't think that I'm just coming this past week and thinking these things up. The word hypothetical is an interesting word. I was challenged by one of our media department. Pastor, why would you use that word? Well, the Cambridge Dictionary describes this word as follows. Listen, it is something imagined or something suggested, but perhaps something not really true. It's something that people suggest. We believe today that in America we're in a mess. I don't have to suggest it. It's true. But you know, a recent survey this week came out that polled most all of America today, the main heartland of America, and still yet in America. And this may shock you. Two-thirds of all Americans still believe that we're Christian. Now, if that be the case, then something is wrong either in the church or something is, is wrong with people who say that they're saved. Now, think with me for a moment the difference in what is hypothetical and what is actually real. Listen to this. The word faith is used hundreds and hundreds of times in the Bible. You may have even used the word this week. The word faith in the Greek New Testament is translated like this. To believe to the extent that you actually trust and you do something. Adrian Rogers, one of my favorite pastors of all time, used to say it like this. Faith is simply this. It is your response to revelation. So I want to ask you today, we're going to walk through this text together, and, and, and I'm going to do this text with you today in the beginning of the series. We're just going to walk through some questions. There are four questions that are going to govern our time together today. I hope you get into this message today, because if you don't, you're going to be left behind the next seven weeks together. And so here's the first question that comes on the screen. Is your faith that you say you possess... Is it based on hypothetical estimation or actual experiences? David Jeremiah is amazing. I listened to him or watched him last night in their Saturday night service in El Cajon, California. You know what he said last night? He said, many people say that they, they are attracted to Jesus, they appreciate Jesus, but many of them have, are really not professors and possessors of Jesus. But listen to this. In chapter 11, there's all these illustrations of people who walk by faith. 
And listen to me, the key verse, if you know the verse in all of Hebrews 11, it's Hebrews 11 and 6. It's in your notes if you have notes. If not, say it from memory with me. Without faith is impossible to what? Please God. Watch, without something that responds to the revelation of God, you cannot please God. And the, the verse that goes on, if you look at your notes, it says, since the one who would draw near to God must believe that He exists, faith, and that He rewards those who, now watch this, who seek Him. These words mirror the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 and 33, where He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So here's another question. Number two, would you label, now watch this, would you label your life as filled with hypothetical faith or actual faith? Is it estimations or is it the exact precision that you have begun in your walk with God? I believe our nation is suffering from too many Christians having hypothetical problems. Hypothetical solutions. One preacher recently said this, It's time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ take off their pajamas on Sunday and put back on their clothes and go to the house of God. It is time again that people take off their mask and put on the reality of a true and living faith. It is, it is time that, that people again, instead of complaining about what's going on in society, that we again champion what that we say that we believe. I want to want you to know if you're visiting for the first time or watching online for the first time, you're in a church that's not hypothetical about faith. We're actually walking that faith. Now, we're not perfect, but I'll tell you this. This series is about two things. One, if you've never, ever come to true faith, we want you to begin true faith. If you kind of in your life like I am at times, I kind of go through some slumps. Anyone else? When you go through a slump, you need to build your faith. And so this series is going to be about either beginning it or it's going to be about building it. But I want you to memorize with me Hebrews eleven six and say, God without faith, I'll never reach this nation. Without faith, I'll never build my family. Without faith, I'll never build my individual life. And without faith, I will never, ever get to heaven itself. What we're going to do over these next eight weeks together is to study the life of an individual in he from Hebrews 11 that we see that had faith. His name is Abraham. Jesus Christ came in Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. The, the Bible says this, that Abraham is the father of all who believe. You say, do you mean that he, he's the one we have faith in? No, but he's the one who was the first. He was the one who was the first to evidence salvation by faith through grace alone in Christ alone. He is the first, Romans chapter 4, that righteousness came to him. Remember Paul used Abraham as the example, exhibit A of someone who did not just talk faith, someone who had faith. See, here's, here's some things I know. There are three things about you and I that I know if, you're, if we're in common in faith. Number one is this, we have a faith that saves. Do you have a faith that saves? One of my favorite verses from the time of a, of a child that my, that, that my mother drilled into me was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gifts of God. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. We have a faith that saves. Abraham, Genesis 15, 6 says, he believed God and God put in his count his righteousness. He robed him in righteousness. We need to have a faith that saves, but also this, we need to have a faith that sets us apart. 
See, some of us uh, have a faith. We began the faith here. We prayed to receive Christ, but that's about as far as we've ever, ever gone. I, I wrote this back in November in a, in, a, in a Bible that I'm using to Sunday give to my kids, and, and, I, and I put it over in my notes the other day. Here's what I wrote. God's faith given to us through belief is not just an event on a calendar. I think for most of us, faith can turn into something that it was a moment in a calendar and not a day-to-day experience. Abraham, and we're going to see his life, came to the place where that faith was so real to him, it was something that was not hypothetical. He was something he was living out. See, when you have that kind of faith, it sets you apart. But also this thirdly, Brother Sam, it's, it, it begins, now watch this, it begins to steer your path. You see, when that faith comes, you begin to, to sell out and you begin to, to walk in, in paths of righteousness, the Scripture says. You live for His glory. In James chapter 2, the, that James uses illustration, if you remember, of, of Abraham and Rahab, and he said that they genuinely, faith without works is dead. James 2 and 23 says this, you see that faith was active with His works. I've been praying this prayer for this church since November, you say, what prayer? Here's the prayer. God, bring us to a crystallization of discontent. You say, what in the world is that? A crystallization of discontent. I was reading a book. That, here's, the, here's the title of the book, How to Revive Evangelism. One of our great pastors, Craig Springer, he, he wrote a book called How to Revive Evangelism, and he coined this phrase, crystallization of discontent in the body of Christ. He said this, I found this phrase as I realized that psychologists use this phrase. Now listen to this. To describe the moment when someone decides that they're unhappy enough about something to make a change. I am praying for a crystallization of discontent in you. To the point that you would want to have a faith that's, that's building and not just a saved faith that I can say to somebody that I did this. But you would have a faith that starts to steer your life. There were 15 kids that came to know the Lord this week. And the first time in 29 years, I was not the one in a vacation Bible school that presented the gospel. Because the Lord told me this year that Pastor Chris was to do it. Pastor Chris did a tremendous job because the Lord wanted me to be one-on-one this year. And so I got the privilege of leading one young, young lady to the Lord who was so genuine. But then I met another young lady that, that came to pray. And listen to me, her family is three generations in this church, and she knew nothing about God. She did not even know. He, he spoke on David and Goliath Friday. And, he, and, and the little girl, all she could say was this. She, all she could say was, was that that man up there said that, that, that a big man was killed by a little man. And I thought maybe that whoever he prayed to might be able to help me. And my heart broke. How could somebody be three generations in the church? Well, Tony, how could it be that somebody could say we're saved? And we're set apart. But there is not that being steered by God. See, I've been praying. This is a good church. And if you're joining us, let me tell you, we're on the move for God. Many of us are, but we're seeing this. We're discontent. We don't want one family to go through this church and miss it. We don't want our community one moment to miss what God would say. So I want to ask you, do your kids know your God? Do they have a personal relationship with your God? Is yours living and active? Is it growing? You see, the Bible says back thousands of years ago that there was a man that God called out of, out of nothing but secular life. And he said these words in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. 
Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now notice this, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now I want you to see this. There, there was something about this God that caused this man to pull up everything that he'd had and everything that he'd been about, and he left and was never the same. Here's the third question today. Who is this God, right? Who is this God that Abraham came to place all his faith in? Listen to this. You want to write this down? He is the I will God. Six times. Six times in this few verses, he says, I will. Moses, brother Chris, will teach us that the I will is the I am. The I will is the I am. Some of you see here today and say, I already know all this series. I've preached through, I've taught through Abraham. I know it all. Friend, let me tell you today, God's about to enlighten your life. Some of you today have begun and something has happened you've stopped. Others of you began and you were told this is all that there is. It is an event. But I'm telling you, it's not. It's more than that. You see, Abraham came to this place where that God did something in his life. And before I believe today, before you and I can actually understand who that, that Abraham, what he understood, we got to understand Abraham. And so here's just really quickly some things about Abraham. Number one is this, he started his life just like all people do. How do people start their life? They're sinners. You meet any sinners this week? Come on now, slow down for a moment. Did you meet any sinners this week? Did you look in the mirror somewhere this week? Maybe even a truck stop? If you looked in the mirror this week, that's, you, you met a sinner. But now watch this. Abraham began his life. You see, Abraham, listen to this, his father, Terah, was born nine generations after the flood. I've got to tell you this, that, that this man, Abraham, lived in Ur of the Chaldees, chapter 11 says. Ur of the Chaldees is, was as wicked as this day is today. There was only one difference. They did not have the technology that we have. They worshipped all kinds of gods. Do you know Sarai, that's his wife, her name actually means the queen of the moon god. See, see Abraham worshipped all these gods. His, his, father, his father gave birth to him and two other, two other boys, and one of them gave birth to his, his wife, did to, to Lot, and, and, and he died. And so there they were as a family. Now listen to this, and this is where he started his life. They were pagans, they, they, they were the, the sexual immorality of all kinds, and incest that we find from the history of the day. Joshua 24 and 2 says they worshipped other gods. Now this was the scene. And so God comes, it makes no sense to me, God comes, write this down, and He selects this man. He comes and He selects him to live a different life. Can you imagine? There He is worshiping Himself and other gods. He's rich, His Father is rich, and all of a sudden God knocks on the door of His heart. You say, how do you know that? Acts chapter 7, verses 2 and 3 says that God comes to him in Ur of the Chaldeans, and He says, Abraham, I want your Abram, exalted father. He didn't even have a child. He would be, his name would be changed to Abraham, the father of a multitude. So we're going to just call him Abraham so we don't get confused. And so he comes to him and he says, I want you to follow me. How many of you remember that day? Anybody remember that day? That moment in time when you awakened that there was a real God. Can you picture him going to his daddy? Can you picture him going to his daddy, to Terah, T-E-R-A, going to him and say, Daddy, I have met God. 
He said, well, son, which God? We have all kinds of these gods. I've met the one true God. How do you know? He spoke to me. And what did he say to you? He said, I want you to leave everything you have here, leave your family behind, and take what I've given you, and I want you to go to a land that you've never been to before. And I want you to go, and when you get there, I'll tell you what to do. Can you imagine what his father must have said to him? He must have said, son, have you been drinking? See, I think that many of us have that kind of a hypothetical faith. Our children come to us and say, God's called me to be a missionary. And you squelch them when they're tender in their heart with God. And so what do they do? They, they put it off, and the next thing you know, they, they, they become just like you. I see it all the time. Our student ministry exploding with growth. The children's ministry, Miss Lisa, pouring into her heart, into them. And they begin to feel this call and tug of God upon their heart. But we have too many pagan people that, that are calling themselves believers, but it's only a hypothetical faith. Say, now, you know what? I, mean, I remember someone said to me, when my dad told them that I was going to be a pastor, they said to my dad, in my hearing, he'll starve to death. You better tell him to get a real job. Had I, my faith not been settled, Brother Henry, at that point, I would have run from it. Some of you that, that are watching online today, you, you are robbing your children of what God can do in their life. But others of you are like Tara was. You know what he did? He said, all right, son, if you're going to go, I'm going to go with you. He said, if you're going to go, I'm going to go with you. He said, now that's not what the Bible says. You understand the Bible's not always chronological, right? So in chapter 11, when it gives the overview of, of Abraham's family, we find according to Acts chapter 7 that actually what happened was chapter 12 took place when, when Abraham was probably 50 years of age. When he was 50 years of age, maybe 60 at the most, God said, I want you to go. And you know what happens, what the Bible says? He selected him, and so Abraham's dad gets up and goes with him. You say, preacher, are you sure of that? Look with me in verse 31 of chapter 11. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But... When they came to Haran, they settled there. In other words, they got part of the way there, and Dad said, this is good land. Most believe it was Damascus, brother, that the Damascus where they stopped. And so now watch, it's probably 60 years of age. He's there, and God said, I've selected you. Now write this down, Abraham became a saved man. He became a saved man in that moment. It's by faith, Romans 10, 17, that, that by faith we are born again. So he comes to know the Lord. But all of a sudden, when in the midst of all that, something happened, and it stopped. How many of you have had a call of God in your life and you've gone part of the way, but something got in the way and you haven't gone the next step? Be honest with each other this morning. There's things that happen to us. I mean, for example, you may have gotten married and, and you intended to, to do something and suddenly along the, uh, you were in shock that a child came along and boom, what you intended to do, you didn't do. See, there's things that happen. So for 15 years, Abraham waited he waited when he should have been moving forward, and God still loved him. And I want to tell you this today, that God wants to give you a faith that so steers your path that you would not get caught in the pitfalls and in the traps. Solomon pleaded in Ecclesiastes 12, serve the Lord in the days of thy youth so that when the older years come and you physically are unable to do all of these things, you will have done my will all the way. 
And that's why we put our best dollars and our most dollars into our preschool and into our children, into our students, and all the way on up. Because the earlier that they begin, the more walk that they can have with God. Some of you in this room today, God is plugging and pulling at your heart. God selected you to live a different life. You're like Isaiah was in Isaiah 45 and 22 when God said to him, Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. But some of you are like this. You're, you're, you're like this. The truth is, when you read those words, it's an event and not an ongoing encounter. You say, say what do you mean? Listen to what the, the Bible teaches us that in the life of Abraham, now listen to this, write this reference in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. The Bible says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he did not know he was going. The word obeyed means this, he paid attention to. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why doesn't everybody get saved? Sam, you ever ever do that? Now there's theology there, we won't go there for the moment. Have you ever done that one? Tony, why don't this person, why does this child or that person, when we get to Romans 11, God will blow our minds with that than to fall. But listen to this, there's reasons why that not everybody obeys. Jesus in Matthew 13 gave a parable. He gave actually eight of them, and one of them is called the parable of a sower. He gave a parable, and he said, a man went out to sow seeds, and some of the seeds he sowed on the roadbed where everybody walked. Some of the seeds he sowed on some ground that had rocks underneath it, and, and the, the seed sprang up, but because it could not have no roots, that, that it withered and died. Others, for he sowed them, and there were thorns and bushes there, and so it choked them out, and finally there was the good ground, right? And listen, the good grounds of people get saved. Jesus said, hey, let me explain what the parable is to you. He said, the sower is God, the seed is the Word of God, and the field is the world. That's why we go out. Do we not? You see, the God of the I will says, if you'll go, I'll bless. Benny Tate said this in the message recently. He said this, there's only one thing worse than being lost. Here it is. To be lost is this, to be lost and no one's looking for you. I find that churches today that have hypothetical faith are not looking. See, today we are a church that's not only looking, we're going to find. And we want you to be a part of that, but you've got to settle the I will question. You've got to set who He is. Is He the I will God, or are you going to say, I will do what I want to do? See, there's the problem. See, you say, preacher, why is it that not everybody comes to the Lord? I, I think that Jesus gives three reasons. Sometimes, listen to this, because some pe- people reject God because they're just hard-hearted. There's some people that don't want anything to do with God. Right now, you, you could say something to God about them, and they're going to blow you off. That because, listen to me, the devil comes and pulls away the seed. We saw that this week. But some people, they're not hard-hearted. They don't just reject. Some people receive it without thinking it through. We had some kids that came and wanted to pray this week, and, and we didn't include them in those in, that, that received Christ because they, they wanted to pray about other things, and so they were not born again. There's people that come down the aisle and want to get baptized immediately, but we realize this, that they have an emotional experience, but the truth is they have not thought it through. Still, other, there's another group of people, and I think that there may be some in this room that, that you really think that you're in the family of God, but the cares of this world always, listen to this, always choke it out for you. Can I give you a test to see if you're really in the faith? First of all, what do you do every morning when you get up? What do you do throughout the day? Let me ask you another simple one that's so changed in America. When, 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 I, when my dad came to know Christ, everything really changed, and it's still that way today. Brother Tony, when my dad came to know Christ, one of the first things that my pastor taught him was, was the importance of God every day. 
Not only that, my pastor taught my dad that now, listen, your life revolves around Christ, whereas that Christ used to be an event. Let me give an example of that. Every week, my dad would say, church is coming Sunday in our service to God. And we plan everything around that. It was the first thing that my dad, Bobby, thought of. It was not the last thing that he thought about. It was the, and it still is. Now watch, today people do this. I'll go to church if I don't have something to do. They plan their events and think, oh, if, if I don't have, when I get all my events out of the way, I'll go to church. Be honest with me. Because listen to me, we have lost that hard attitude. There is not, and it's not just an encounter, and it's not just an event. And can I tell you, I don't, I don't want to put anybody down today, but listen, if we are going to reach this society, we've got to get beyond hypothetical faith because lost people understand that we really do what we love. And I think it's time, don't you, that we get back that the number one event on our calendar, the most priority that we have, it's what Abraham finally came to. His father died, and Abraham said, Okay, God, I'm going to go. And so Abraham then moved, and he picked up some things. We'll see it next week that, that, would, that would cost him along those 15 years. But now he's 75. Miss Lisa, 15 years later, he's been saved for 15 years. And listen, to it, and now he says, Okay, God, I want to ask you, don't you want now to be like Abraham? So what was Abraham? Write it down. He was a set-apart man. God says, I've, I've got something for you. You see, today, the change that God wants to do is this, is to get you in good ground. So you may be saved, but you've been in bad ground. You've been around bad people. You've been around people that never point you to Christ. When you get in good ground, it changes everything, and you realize that you're set apart for a purpose. See, we're set apart for a purpose. You should have amen that. So, so I want you to see the Word of God. In chapter four, it's, uh, chapter 12, verse 4, again, let's walk right on down to the end. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years of age. Can you think about this? Most people are winding down by this age, but he was just winding up. You see, don't worry about what age you are. Worry about what God's called you to do. When he departed from there, verse 5, he took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people they had acquitted and acquired in Iran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Do you see them going? It's no hypothetical faith. They didn't know where they were going, but God said, this, go this direction. The Bible says, as they went to the land of Canaan, and verse, verse 6 says, when they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. They were a wicked and vile people. Now watch what the Scripture says. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, to your offspring I'll give this land. Here's the fourth question is this, what do you want your life to count for? Maybe I should have said to this group, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? Abraham comes. Can you see him coming? He's, going to, he's never going to live in a house. He's never going to own any property except his burial ground that he purchased for his wife. Martin Luther put it this way. He said anybody in his day could be a nun or a monk because you could hide out and live for God without anybody else bothering you. But it takes a real man or a woman to be in business and not to be ungodly, to be godly. So I'm going to tell you today that it's your turn. I don't know what your age is, but what do you want to do with what life you have left? Are you going to be the COVID-19? Is that what you're going to be known for in your life? I'm going to tell you, you may be vision with us. When other churches shut down, we opened up more. We increased instead of decreasing. We have done more and have gone more and have seen more because we realize this. He is the I will God. 
I believe that some of you, that you will listen to me, that you will see the fruit of what you're doing. God is going to speak to you new, fresh, and again. He's going to speak to you in visions and dreams because Acts 2 says that He's going to speak. They'll line up with God's Word, but He's ready to speak. You're not done yet! But you have to make some decisions. And they begin now. The first decision may be this, the true saving faith. You see, God may be calling you today to a true saving faith. You say, really, Pastor, what is that? It's a faith that says, I'm a sinner. There's only one way to heaven. And that way is through Jesus who died and was buried. And God raised him from the dead as a testimony that his payment was sufficient for my sins. Some of you, it may be this, that God calls you now to have a set-apart faith. It may just be this, a set-apart faith. It may be just this, the simplest of things that now, once again, that God becomes the sinner and not the afterthought. God becomes the sinner and not the afterthought. And then lastly is this, God's called you to significant faith. Some of you have got a dream, and God says it's now. Some of you right now, the God's just said, teach, it's now. God said, go, it's now. Whatever he's telling you to do, students, whatever he's telling you to do, it is now. Because Abraham discovered something, that at 75, he wasn't done. He was just starting. So you know what the Bible said? He began to journey. And as he journeyed, wherever he did, he'd build an altar. He just built an altar. In the midst of a pagan land, he'd build an altar. You know what? In Jackson, Georgia, 160 plus years ago, people planned a church. That, that was their altar before God. And today, listen to me, you and I are going to have to go to our city and we're going to have to plant altars in our homes, in our subdivisions, in our places of work. And if you'll just do it, you know what's going to happen? Let me tell you, a revival will come to our land. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But he who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. And so as we go to prayer, what will you do with the I will God? To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.